Dave Klein of Spartans Illustrated, he joins the mix to talk all things Michigan State basketball. We're going from Tom Izzo's quotes on retirement. Is this team really due for a big run? What does any of this all mean anyway? Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions, you got that right, they apply. Spartan friends, Spartan family, locked on Spartans listeners. We got a big one today. It is a familiar face, a familiar voice. It is Dave Klein of Spartans Illustrated. DK, like, how are how are you doing? I guess is just the best first question when we get into Michigan State basketball talk. Yeah, I think, I think uh, we're okay. As, as, I, <laughs> I as I stated to you uh, right before we started, I think it's just a roller coaster, and we're along for the ride again for what feels like the fourth season. So I'm buckled in. I'm uh, trying to be cautiously optimistic as I, I hold the water for most seasons, and here we are again. Uh, little bit of a backs against the wall type situation. We'll see what this team's made of in kind of the next coming weeks. So, and after their last game against Rutgers, Tom Izzo says something the lines of, "Hey, this team's due for a big run. Need everyone to have some faith right now. We're due for a big one." And yeah, there's a lot of credence to that because the computers tell us, DK, that our Spartans are going to be favored in ten of the next eleven games. In seven of those eleven games, they are favored by more than six points. So. It's like the, you know, double-edged sword here. Hey, cool. Awesome. We got a lot of winnable games here. But it's also, mm, well, if you win, it's not really going to impress a lot of people. But if you start losing a few of these games, oh, uh-oh, uh, it could get a little dicey here. But DK, in this run, what do you need to see from this team to start believing that things can turn around in March? Is it a certain record they have to hit? Is it certain players performing a certain way? Or what are you going to be looking for? in the next few weeks during this run, so to speak? Um, so I would say you got to start winning some games on the road. They haven't won a game on the road yet. The closest thing that they have is the, you know, the semi-home game or the neutral game that they had against Baylor at LCA. That's mm-hmm. it. So you got to go and find a way to beat Maryland on the road. You have to maybe compete and potentially beat Wisconsin on the road. Um, I, I think that you got to hold serve at home, obviously, And really the problem with the Big Ten Conference this year is instead of getting eight, nine teams like we've seen over the past few seasons, this is going to be probably a six-team bid league. And the issue with that is there's a lot more landmines uh, among the teams that they're going to face than there are really quality opponents. Uh, You already blew your chance against Wisconsin at home. You kind of let one slip through the fingers against Illinois on the road. Um, And you only get Mackey or you only play Purdue at Mackey. So you don't have an opportunity to potentially rack up a win against them at home. You see Illinois um, and then, you know, Indiana's on the road as well. And so there's just not a whole lot of quality type wins that are left on the schedule. You get Illinois coming back. You probably got to win that one. Uh, Northwestern comes back into your building. So I think between, at Wisconsin, Illinois, and Northwestern, both at home. I 
think they need to go two out of three in those and, and probably you're looking at the home court, but if they could sneak out a win and, you know, maybe go on like a little four game win streak, I think that would kind of turn the tide a little bit from everything that I've seen. Um, most brackets have them in kind of as either the last four in um, or, or last four out. They're kind of right on that bubbly area right now. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, the metrics, like you said, love them. But it's a matter of actually stacking some wins. So I think they got to finish Big Ten play going like 11 and 9. I feel like that's a comfortable. Don't drop any terrible games. Find a way to win a couple of the ones against the better teams coming into your place. Um, And then I guess we'll see, see what we see. And I'm glad you did mention that, you know, the good games that would be on the resume here, because there's only right now, I mean, it's subject to change, obviously, with the way that the quadrant system works, but only three quad one games left. It's at Wisconsin. Okay, you're going to be underdogs by about three points, the computers say. Illinois at home, you're going to be favored by about four and a half. And then, yeah, on the road at Purdue, you're going to be underdogs by about 86 points. Um, That's just my eyes. That's not even computers. But those are the only three quad one wins left. And when it pertains to tournament talk, I'm glad you brought that up. See, that this is how you know we've been doing this for a while, DK. We are just in lockstep right now because that's where I wanted to go next, talking about the tournament. Now, Bracketologist, it's mid-January. We're starting to see their wheels turn here, start to spit out some more content. So here's just a few Bracketologists out there. Joe Lenardi, say what you will about him. He always finishes in the middle of the bracket matrix, but he's the biggest name out there. He right now is Michigan State as a nine seed. One three one sports, a smaller bracketologist, but one of the best to ever do it. Michigan State is a 10 seed right now. Something called Bracketville has Michigan State as a 10 seed right now. And CBS Sports by Jerry Palm did not even have Michigan State on the bracket, not in the first four out, not in the next four out. But I will say this about Jerry Palm, the same with Joe Lenardi. Doesn't necessarily do that well compared to other bracketologists, but still, you're CBS Sports. You're one of the biggest names out there, so we're going to go ahead and do that. I do this with all bracketologists. Like, If you just have a blog called Bracket Bonanza and you just have six monthly viewers, I will still read your blog. and bra- like I just love bracketology that much. But after all that rambling, DK, is the tournament actually actually in peril right now, this whole streak that Michigan State has, or are you leaning towards a more optimistic side like I am because right now right now subject to change like I'm not panicking yet about the tournament yeah the thing about this is you know if you had won one of those games between Northwestern Illinois on the road I think we wouldn't be in this position but you know you let one game slip through your fingers you go on the road to Maryland or Minnesota and somehow you lose one of those kind of games then it just changes everything because those teams are currently on the outside looking in. Um, you know, Maryland's playing a little bit better basketball. They've won some yep. games recently. So it's one of these things where, you know, you, you just you can feel good for a moment and then a loss comes in and the wall against your back gets much closer. So the margin of error because of the way that this team started really created this situation for themselves and now here we are and there's really nothing they can do about it but go out like I said hold serve at home take care of the bad teams that you're playing on the road you can't afford to have one of those bad losses and I I I don't know I think that this is probably going to be a bubbly situation for most of the rest of the season I think it's just going to be uncomfortable Um, unless they somehow like I said if they go out they beat Maryland and Wisconsin on the road come home, beat Michigan and Maryland at home, go and beat, uh, you know, Minnesota, and they they go on this stretch and win 
you know, seven games in a row, well then, yeah, you create a little breathing room for yourself and, you know, you have a position where you're in a better spot to be able to, um, you know, go out and maybe secure yourself a little bit better seating. But I, I, I think ultimately at this point, the goal is just to keep the tournament streak alive. Um, I don't think that this year's tournament is one of these ones where we're going to see all these dominating teams. You know, we've seen a bunch of teams at the top lose this past week and really across the top 25. So I think this is a situation where if they got in, say, as like a 10 seed, uh, they're probably favored against whatever seven seed they're going to see because the metrics still love this team. So if they get in, (laughs) um, you know, you can put yourself in a position to almost be in the same spot you were last year where you win that first game. You've probably seen a two seed. If you take care of business, then the path opens a little bit for maybe you to make a run. So I, I really think that just get in the tournament, figure it out. And, um, you know, as long as the guard play continues to be steady and Malik Hall shows up, um, yep. you know, I think that they have a chance basically all the rest of the games that they have on the schedule minus that Purdue game away. I, I, they're just not going to give them any real hope for that. So. Not necessarily. Um, I'm glad you did bring up the metrics, though, because even though Michigan State sits at 10 and 7 right now, they're below 500 in conference play. Like the computers like BartTorvik.com, they got you as the 11th best team in the country. So, hey, while Michigan State fans might not always love what they're seeing on the court so far, at least for seven games this year, uh, (laughs) the computers don't have eyeballs and they love what they're looking at for Michigan State. Uh, We'll get more into guard play later on. But next up, I do want to talk about Tom Izzo's recent interview with Matt Norlander of CBS Sports, not just retirement, but a few other things as well. But I hate to do this, DK. I just need to talk to people's ears off really quick quick about LinkedIn jobs. So I got to kick my good near dear friend DK to the bench. Folks, LinkedIn jobs is the best in the job search game, especially for small businesses. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. And that's why LinkedIn jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster. And my favorite part for free. Now, LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion, that is with a B, a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. So just leave it up to LinkedIn jobs. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And let's drag our near dear friend Dave Klein of Sparns Illustrated back into the mix here because well, would you look at that? Tom Izzo was asked about retirement from Matt Norlander of CBSSports.com and a very direct answer uh, this time. It wasn't a, hey, no, this group has energized me or I don't see an end in sight yet. No, it was a straight up, no. Just no, I, I'm not. I'm not retiring in 2024. Now he did expand on that. He did say that when he does go away, he's going to do it like Nick Saban. He's not going to have this whole eight month long festival of Izzo, kind of like Coach Shashevsky had down at Duke. So you can pick either of one of those apart, DK. Are you surprised at all that he's affirmed no to retire? Me personally, I'm not that surprised. But do you want to take it to the route of? Are you a little surprised that he's just going to one day just step away and just? It's all, it's all going to be over just like that. 
No, not surprised that that's the way he's going to go out. Okay. It was funny because this this article came out and I had a friend literally like a week ago ask me just like, do you think that at any point in time after maybe, you know, he either skirts into the tournament here or he doesn't make it, um, do you think maybe he just steps down and walks away? And my, my first thought of it was um, the biggest holdover for me would be the fact that he believes that he has a point guard that has Mateen Cleaves like qualities. And I think that, that his helps. relationship yep. with Jeremy Fears and just his general belief that this kid, you know, can take him back to the promised land. I really think that that is maybe the biggest hangup. Now, if the roster was turning over completely and he didn't have maybe, you know, some of what he would like to see on the roster left, I think that maybe this would be a slightly different conversation. But I really do believe that his relationship with Fears, the way that they're both kind of cut from the same cloth, um, I really think that he's going to stick it out with Jeremy throughout this tenure. And I would be, I, I still think it's going to be a three, four year from now kind of kind of play unless, you know, something drastic happens, health issues, yeah. something like that. I, I think he's still got a few years left in him. No question. And a few years ago, I would have been a little surprised at this because I, I long held the, I guess we'll call it a hot take and ended up just being a wrong take now. But I said that, hey, you know what? He's going to be the coach until Steven Izzo, his son, obviously, graduates. And that's when he is going to step away. Obviously, that's not going to align whatsoever. I kind of knew that that was going to be wrong the last year or two. But this is also something that might be keeping him around. This was a quote that he had about Transfer Portal NIL, which he did say has a spot in the college game. You know, obviously he's talked a lot about transfer portal and NIL and his thing is there's a spot for it. He just hates that. A lot of kids go there. He thinks when just the going gets tough, just like that. So instead of stepping away, like Jay Wright, Roy Williams, coach K, he says, quote, I'm too stubborn to even think about doing it. It meaning retired in the near future, because I almost want to fight the system and the system might get me. The system may get me, but the system may not get me either. I get a little scared reading that quote, man. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, I love the attitude. You know what? F the system. That's We're going to take it down. I'm Tom Belief and Izzo, and uh, I'm bigger than the system. Yeah, F the man. What is he? Bit. What is he? <laughs> I don't know if he is. I don't know if he is. That's, yeah. I'm scared. I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, I think that what you're seeing with what we would probably potentially expect on the roster turnover next year, I'm still of the belief that AJ is going to be done after this year. I know he technically has the COVID year. Um, sure. Obviously, Hall is out the door. I, I don't know what's going to happen with Maddie. I think that we've right. seen enough at this point. Um, you know, appreciate the service, but to me, it's it's probably time to move on from both sides. And so, I, you know, Walker's out the door as well. So you're losing a ton of production, a ton of scoring. I think right. you have no choice. You have to go into the Correct. portal and find find something. To me, it's probably the number one concern is since Xavier Tillman has departed, the center position has been frankly abysmal. The the best player that they've had has probably been Bingham, who, you know, with with all respect to Bingham and, and who he was as a player and all the rest of it, I, I thought he finished his career well in that Duke game. Um, yeah, but he sure. had an ongoing battle with the staff in terms of his willingness to work hard, um, to really buy into what they needed from him. And I think it was a, a struggle. And then after that, you know, marble transfers, Bingham graduates, and they don't go out and get a, a portal player. And I was like, this is insane. Maddie Sissoko's yeah. played five minutes per game over two years, and you're going to hand him the keys. And we saw what that looked like. Um, and then now we're seeing it again for the second year. So it, it's one of these situations where 
you know, you went from, you know, Knicks to Payne to Costello to uh, Ward to Xavier Tillman. And now we've had, you know, yeah, there you go. Now we have Kithier, you know, we had Kithier, Marble, Bingham, Sissoko, Cooper. Like it's, it's a different class of center. Um, I think that there's a role for these guys. And if they were playing backup minutes, I think that we really would be encouraged with the way that they play. But we're at a spot now where it's like, if you don't see this clear cut need and you double down again um, and you decide not to go and address this need, then I think that really we're getting to the point where probably, you know, being fringe tournament team ish is the new norm for this program. And by all standards that Izzo himself has built, I think that that would just be a shame that the end of the legacy would go out in a situation where we're a 10 seed, you know, seven to 10 seed, seven to 11 seed every single year, because you're not willing to just admit that you're wrong and you need to be able to address that need in the portal. Yeah. So. I, I just don't want him to Bayheim himself where we all know how that ended. It was just the old curmudgeon man that was just so stuck in his ways. I'm not going to change for anyone. The game's going to change for me. And well, not so fast, my friend. Now, Again, there are some differences between Bayheim and Izzo. It's just we just saw that with Syracuse, and oh god, you just see those quotes. It's like Izzo, I do believe in you. I, I like just like you said, DK, and just like we talked about yesterday's show. Actually, he will have no choice but to go in the transfer portal. But whew, to just be defiantly against it and say I'm going to beat the system, it's uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that one, uh, yeah. but also too, he did, he did have a transfer. Stuff. What did he say? Because you didn't give the full quote when he indicated okay. the transfer stuff. Where is that? You have to pull that up one more time because he did say, "If I need to get a transfer, I'll get a transfer." Is what part of the quote? Sure. So, gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Let's see. Okay. There's well, nothing wrong with I think, I think everybody's on the same page here, except the staff so far for it. Uh, you know what? The quote I was going to read wasn't even the one you were talking about. Um, but yeah, it's uh, and it was a good interview too with CBS Sports. They even mentioned in the article a 40 minute sit down interview with Tom Izzo, not too shabby. Now, there was one quote about this year's team, and I'm just going to read right from the article here. Over the course of a 40 minute interview, Izzo ran the gamut on the ways of why Michigan State's issues this season, like lingering hangover from injuries, odds to find poor shooting performances, over reliance and expectations from freshmen the schedule now you know they also did mention that it's not all to blame that wasn't the only thing he was using but is he kind of right like because there were some odd shooting games in there and I know that I get upset like everyone else after all seven of these losses but when you do look back is 10 and 7 like their true record or is the season going a little better than that because it is a little wonky there have been some injuries I myself, I'm in the camp of like, no, like you're 10 and seven. That, that's what it is. But I can see the argument at least for what Izzo is saying or other fans too have also said, what side of the fence are you on then? Yeah. So, I mean, the numbers, like we had talked about earlier, still love this team. They're still saying it's a top yeah. 20 type team. Um, but the problem with it is, you know, the margin for error for the guards when they were struggling at the beginning part of the season, when you don't have a consistent front court option is the problem. So whose fault is it that there's no consistency on the roster? you got an old veteran team. There's no excuses about slow starts. So you've been here for four or five years or three or four or five years. You're one of the older teams in the conference. You can't be yeah. saying, oh, we just didn't get out of the gates well. 
Well, that's the that's the fault of the guys that are in the program. I, I, Correct. I, I can't have much sympathy for the way that it started. I understand some, you know, really weird, funky style. I were two for 32 or whatever the hell we were the first two games shooting. Obviously, that was abysmal. But I think ultimately, you know, the team just didn't get out of the gates. I think the preseason expectations is I think we talked about maybe the last time kind of got to them a little bit. They were buying into the hype. And I think the pressure was a little bit higher than they, you know, had and this group hasn't been a winning group collectively together, these seniors that are here. So I, I think that they've had to learn in, along the way. Um, and perhaps we just bought in a little bit too much into, you know, winning against Marquette last year and some of that hype. Um, yeah, I think this team should probably be 12 and five, not 10 and seven. And maybe we'd be in a different position and we'd be feeling better about it, but we're not. And there's no excuse for that uh, other than they didn't get the job done. And you're, again, entering into the season where you probably have uh, either the second worst or the worst center rotation in the Big Ten Conference for two years running. So, you know, Nebraska went out and got rink masked. You know, Iowa went out and got Ben Cricky. You know, these teams that aren't going to make the tournament, these guys are going to waste away at their rosters. If they were playing for Michigan State, this, they would have a better and more complete team. So the roster construction completely falls on the staff, but the the rest right. of it, the players just haven't showed, didn't show up at the beginning part of the season. Uh, and they're just too old of a team to give them excuses or, or, or outs for that, in my opinion. No, that's fair. But we're, we're going to make it more upbeat here in a hot second because I do want to talk about one of the nice surprises of the season, at least for me, and I think a lot of other state fans, but Trey Holloman is what we're going to kick off the next segment with. But DK, I hate to do this to you twice in the same episode. I just need to send you to the bench because I need to talk to people's ears off about FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The NFL regular season is long gone, but there is still plenty of time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook ahead of NFL Divisional Weekend, which feature the Detroit Lions. That's right. Go Lions, baby. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a 5 dollar bet. That's right. Don't stress the spread. Don't even worry about laying the points. Don't even worry about if you're going to win or lose. You get 150 bucks in bonus bets with a $5 bet for new customers win or lose. It just does simply not get any easier than that. The app is super easy to use and there are so many different ways to bet like live same game parlays. You can find bets in the new explore tab and go ahead and make yourself a parlay in the parlay hub the best way to find popular parlays and so much more. What are you waiting for out there? If you have not joined FanDuel, now is clearly the best time to do so. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. It's FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Also, Jace Medical is keeping us prepared this winter during one of the worst flu seasons in quite some time. And I know we all come to uh, – we all come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but we need to talk just for a minute about preparing for real life with Jace Medical. According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin, like I said, right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. Now, I can't imagine any of my family members getting sick while a supply chain issue is holding them from life-saving medication that they need. Well, thankfully, we are all good over here because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, skin infections, and many others. This stuff could happen to any of us, so stay prepared. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. 
It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to get prepared than it is today, so go to jacemedical.com, J-A-S-E medical.com, and use offer code LOCKDOWN, that's all one word, LOCKDOWN, for $20 off your order at jacemedical.com. Com. Now let's drag him back on here. Dave Klein, he has not left by, by, by the grace of God, he is still with us. Talking Michigan State basketball. Whew. But hey, we're, we're going to start, we're going to start this last segment on a happy note because uh, Trey Hallman has put many a smile on my face. Now, sure. There are some times that he's a little timid in these Big Ten games, but I think he's coming off his best game of the year. Yes, he did light up Alcorn State for 40 points or whatever it was earlier this year, but dang it. He really showed up. He displayed great shooting against Rutgers, shot at a high volume, which is what I want to see a little more of, but also took care of the ball with the assist, and that's why he leads the nation in assist-to-turnover ratio right now. But, DK, is this the best surprise for Michigan State so far this season, or is there even someone else or something else that sticks mm-hmm. above Trey Holloman here? No, I think Trey has been a very, very pleasant surprise. I think he's exceeded my expectations thus far um, for the season and and the leap that he's made. And with fears going down, I think it was crucial for him to kind of step up in the role. Um, I will say that he needs to be this type of player away from home and in some of the bigger games. Because uh, if you look at the Ken Palm numbers against Tier A and B opponents, which is – Basically, it's top 50 team that you play at home or a top 100 team on the road. Uh, the offensive rating for him drops off. The shooting numbers drop off um, in a pretty, pretty significant manner. So I will say that he's been very, very good at home. Um, we need that version of him when we travel to Maryland, when we travel to Minnesota, when we play at PSU, when we kind of make some of these road trips. The version of Trey that we've seen at home, which is confident, comfortable, sharing the sugar, knocking down threes, that guy's got to start traveling away from the Breslin Center if Michigan State is going to be able to string together this winning stretch to be able to kind of firmly place themselves in the tournament. Um, but I, I really do think that he's been he's been very pleasant surprise and um, something to, to not only build on for this year but for the next. But he's been a really, really good fourth guard for Michigan State's roster, um, and it's been well needed with fears, like I said, being out. Sharing that sugar. I'm going to take that one and start beating that into the ground the next few weeks here. That's a, that's a solid one. We like that one. All right, let's wipe the smile off our face here. That that was fun, being optimistic for a little bit. Um, no, I'm kidding. This isn't going to be that bad of a question. I, I went fishing for mailbag questions on Twitter not too long ago. And Matty Horvath, he writes in, will Cohen get more minutes going forward? Now last game against Rutgers, 10 minutes. The game before that, just 7 minutes, 12 against Northwestern, 19 against Penn State. But I don't know, like – I. I'm kind of sticking with Maddie here, and I think Maddie's in the majority that I personally would like to see more of the most athletically gifted player that college basketball has seen since maybe Zion Williamson. And I don't even think that's just like Spartan homerism hyperbole. Like this man is an animal out there on the court. Like we should be seeing a little more of him, right? Or, or, or me and Maddie just crazy over here. No, uh, not at all. I've uh, been clamoring for a little bit. I think he's got to get on the floor twelve minutes a night at least every single game. When he steps yeah. on the floor, the impact that he's making around the rim is just significant. Um, I think he mm-hmm. started finding a little bit of his offensive role. Uh, he's kind of just got that power dribble down where he tries to get near the basket and then he just rises up. Uh, had an and one last game, a dunk off that little curl screen on the baseline, out of bounds play. He's just a freak athlete, and there's really yeah. nobody on the roster that can do what he can. 
And I think some of it's been that Hall's, you know, outside of that Northwestern game has been really good this last, you know, four or five game stretch. Definitely. Um, so a lot of the minutes are going that way at the power forward spot. And it, it's kind of a weird situation where the team, I think, has the ability to maybe play small with Hall at the center and Carr next to him. I think it would be a different wrinkle. I think the, the offensive lanes would kind of clear up a little bit when the centers aren't in the middle of it. I think the mm-hmm. driving lanes would be there. You have a threat of Carr still as kind of that lob threat, maybe more so than any of the centers that you have anyways. Um, so I'm surprised to a certain degree that they haven't maybe done that in certain matchups. Uh, when Amaruya got into foul trouble, I thought to myself, this is a perfect opportunity to play small and kind of see what you have in that. I would like to see that going forward. Um, and even though it's kind of out of position for him, I think you just got to find a way to get him on the floor any way that you can. And to me, even if that comes at the small forward spot backing up Aikens, um, I just want to see the guy on the floor more. I think he's playing better defense. I think he's he's buying into the concept a little bit more. And every time he steps in the floor, there's a, there's a highlight reel coming from it. And I think that the energy and the excitement that he brings um, is tangible for the team. So for me, I'm with you and Maddie. We have got to see him like at least 12 minutes a night, two, three minute stretches in the first half, two, three minute stretches in the second. Find a way to get that guy on the floor more. You have to. Averaging 16 minutes a game right now, but that's kind of you know slanted because of all the non-conference. So like if anyone's going to call that out, like th- that's why inflated during that little December stretch there. But what I also do like about Cohen Carr too, sure he's only averaging 2.8 rebounds, and this just might sound like a meathead take, but like he really does muck it up on the glass. Like he might not always come down with the rebound, but he makes things nasty there, especially when Michigan State's on offense. All of a sudden, a guy's trying to box out, and then you got Cohen Carr's head like just at the rim, punching the ball out or just doing something like it. He's important for the rebounding too. So, yes, just like you said, though, like whether people want to admit it or not, Malik Hall has had more good games than he's had some bad games. And sure, boy, howdy, has he had some bad games, but he's had some really nice performances and that kind of jams up Cohen Carr a little bit. So it's. Yeah, and I think the back complicates a little bit too. You would hope that yeah, maybe sure. he's stealing some of the minutes from Sissoko and uh, Cooper just because those performances have kind of been up and down and the roller coaster there. So. Um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a jammed front court, even though, you know, some of the talent is still, you know, a little bit lacking in some spots there. So I don't know. Find a way to get him on the floor, though, because he's he's clearly making an impact every time he touches it. Well, DK, just a, another lovely chat with you. Always love having you on. Um, is there anything else that is getting your goat that we didn't talk about that you just want to sound off on here before we let you go and enjoy the rest of your week here? I don't think so, but I did find that quote okay. from Izzo, so I wanted to read it to you. Please do. Okay. To yeah, so it's from that Norlander article. He said, that's why I say more things publicly. How many coaches do you think feel just like me? He said, I don't begrudge anybody. If I have to take a transfer next year, I'll take a transfer. I'm just hoping I can keep my culture. I'm hoping I can do it the way. And some of it depends on the kids I have and so on. It depends on the opportunities they had. If I got a kid and all of a sudden somebody offers him a zillion dollars to go, he's probably going, and then I'm the one that has to adjust. So I'll just say this to keeping the culture comment, because he's kind of raised this point maybe a couple of times. Your two best players over the last couple of years were both transfer portal players. Um, I would say that culturally they have been more closer to the old age Spartan dog type culture guys than anybody has. And I know Hauser kind of had a rough, you know, junior year, but he really finished, finished his career strong there. I think he embodied kind of the roller coaster and the, you know, just the ability to persevere through some pretty tough times when the fan base really kind of turned on him and he finished the year strong. Like 
that guy finished as I would say could have played with many of the generations before him, the way that he was just, you know, performed at the end of it and, and fought through it. Uh, Tyson Walker is the same thing. I know he's six foot in, you know, 170 pounds or whatever he is, but complete dog. He's an absolute yeah. complete dog. So the guys that you've got in high school and you've kind of, you know, recruited and, and developed over the years, I mean, there's, there's some question marks that we have, you know, even now when they're in their fourth, fifth years where they have, do they have that heart? Do they have that commitment to being able to, you know, live up to some of the expectations of the players before them? So I just think that the, you know, the culture question is kind of a, a crap out on it. I, I just think okay. it's kind of a weak response in my regard. You have chased around, you know, you chased around Xavier Booker for the better part of two years and now you can't get him on the floor. If you had a guy that is a power forward that could play 20, you know, 20 minutes per night, that could shoot the three consistently. Um, maybe this looks a little bit different if you had a bigger wing in the group. So I think yep. it's a scenario where he needs to diverge from the fact that he can't find a quality guy in the portal to fit what the program is. Cause he's shown over the years to be able to do it. Even the Brandon Woods, um, yeah. you know, yep. the, the Bryn Forbes, he Cameron Harris for you yeah, that's a right. couple of years under the program. So go find a yep. guy that you have a couple of years to work with that maybe he's not a one year rental that fits what your program is about. If you look at Illinois, they did that. They, they had a pretty poor time in the portal. Obviously, they got TSJ, but the Matthew Meyer thing didn't work out last year. Well, this right. year they got Damask, Harmon, and uh, Garrier. And if they didn't have them, they'd probably be a borderline tourney team with TSJ suspended currently. So yep. I think that you just have to have some willingness to adapt. You you can't be a hundred percent stubborn about it, and just look at what you see in front of you. That you have to go out and get a center. You got to do it this off season. And if you do it, I think with what else is on the roster, you're going to enjoy the results. So that's my uh, final plea and my final comment on the portal. How about that? The walk-off from the mayor of MSU basketball himself, Dave Klein. Go check out all his work and just the work of everyone over at Spartans Illustrated. Uh, just doing fantastic stuff over there. So, Dave, always, always love talking to you, my man. You are truly the best. And same with all you wonderful listeners, all you viewers. Hey, you know what? There's a run coming. I just hope it's a happy one. Let's go. We got this, guys. Come on. All right. We will be back tomorrow. We are going to talk with Locked on Gophers about Joe Rossi, about this upcoming game on Thursday. But, hey, until then, love you all. Go Green. Thanks for having me, Matt. Go White.